Hey, this is Joe Namath, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Dolphins sucks. I want enough believers. everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, blasting to you from Houston, Texas, the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, none other than Michael Lagaris. Hey, Mike's in the building, everyone, and of course, I'm joined in Crystal Lake Studios by the big stinking Wookiee, the man, the myth, the legend, the majestic beast, <laughs> Nicholas Kronk. What's up, everybody? Hope we have a good night. We had a blast last week with CJ and Carlos. At the end of the show, Senor mm-hmm. popped on Mike, made a visit, popped in for us, gave us some of his insights. I know a lot of Twitter people are really a big fan of Senor. And you know what's going to happen pretty soon? Mike, maybe you could tell the world about it. You know, he doesn't have a social media. Mike's been talking to him like, Senor, more people need to know no about way. you. Let's He's get good. you out there. Let's, let's let's get your football thoughts out there. You're so much intellect, so much so much to give out there that pretty soon Senor Waivers might have his own Twitter and he might be in contact with some of the fans. Yeah, you'll be able to reach him at, at Los Huevos. There at you go. Los Huevos. That's so there fantastic. You go. So there you go, everybody. That's coming soon. And the big news in the NFL this week, of course, this is the Jets podcast Ooh. and we're going to get into it, guys. We are going to get into it. Give me a second. We have to talk about... Andrew Luck. Breaking news out of the NFL. Andrew Luck set to retire from the National Football League. Adam Schefter just tweeting out. Ryan Clark, 13 years in the NFL. So so you've seen some stuff. How'd this one hit you? Most shocked I've ever been by any news. What is going on here? Lindsey, Andrew Luck has informed the Indianapolis Colts that he plans to retire from the NFL. I'm in pain. I'm still in pain. I've been in this cycle, which feels like I mean, it's been four years of this injury pain rehab cycle, and for me to move forward in my life the way I want to, it it doesn't involve football. Retiring from the NFL, Michael, I went to the Jet game Saturday, hanging out in the parking lot with a good friend of yours and mine and the Wookiees, Chris Fox, my buddy, my guy who I have season tickets with. We're all chilling. He has his girl there. I got my sister there. Going to the game. I'm watching the game, and all of a sudden, I look around our section, Mike, and everyone's looking at their phone. And I know it's a preseason game. I know the action was not amazing. I know the Saints game versus the Jets this weekend was not must-see TV. However, I'm like, damn, no one's, it's third and five. No, yeah. one, no one's paying attention to this. We should be up no, on No, we're just, checking our, I'm looking our around. phones right now. I'm starting to be the old man yeah. in the crowd. Like, come on, guys, get with... <laughs> and then I then Fox looks at me and he goes, dude, Andrew Luck just retired. <laughs> and forget about the fantasy good. football ramifications for all three of us in a league that we're in. Yeah. Mike. The NFL ramifications, the, the, the blindsided nature of this, which I guess for maybe Andrew Luck, this has been something that's been weighing on his mind. Obviously, if he's retired, I don't think he came to this decision lightly. It's just, Mike, the season starts next week. I mean, the timing for him 
to, for this to be the point that you make that decision. Now, Ooh, I know close. he's had some injuries in Mike. Yeah. His preseason, lingering injuries from last year, a lot of injuries in his career, lacerated kidney, all these different things. But it's very strange timing. And I did not, obviously, nobody saw this coming. Colt fans don't see this coming. Yeah. Uh, how could you see it coming? But if this is what this dude has to do in life and he wants to be happy, I mean, football is just football. If you can't walk around and you want to be able to hang out with your grandchildren and, and, you know, have fun, maybe this is the right decision for him. It's just, what a surprise, Mike. And it does put the Colts, their team, into a kind of a different bracket now when it comes to the AFC, doesn't it, Mike? When it comes to those teams, me, uh, when it comes to the teams we're going to be vying maybe for that wild card spot with, the Colts are not even remotely as good of a team, obviously, without Andrew Luck as they are with Andrew Luck. What are your thoughts, Mike? Sometimes you call me the Don King of our fantasy group because I hype things up. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you my thoughts and I'm going to tell you why I believe the way I believe. And I've been a fan of the NFL almost my entire life. I have seen really, really, really big stories revolving this league. I've seen the Michael Vick story with the dogs. I saw when Plexico Burris shot himself in the leg. I saw when Brett Favre retired, unretired, retired, unretired. <laughs> yeah. I saw kneeling and the flag. I've seen a lot of different stories. The flake gate, you know, and the, the cheating spy gate with the Patriots. But I'm going to tell you that this is one of the, if not the biggest NFL story that I've seen in my lifetime. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. Because... This is a, a, a wake-up call about about the game, about about playing sports, and how we view our heroes, and how we see those who we look up to and say, oh, this is a tough guy. And a lot of people gave Andrew Luck a lot of heart, but it took bravery for him to do and make the decision that he did. I agree. A lot of people would say that I agree, Mike. Mike, when he went into the draft, they said he had every. This was like unanimous with NFL scouts. The greatest NFL pro day in the history of NFL pro days. <laughs> right. You know that's and that's what all of us heard that's in my head. I'm like, crazy. wow, that's amazing. That's you know? crazy. And, and this guy, you know, came into the NFL. His rookie season actually hit very close to Sam Darnold's. He had a 54 percent completion percentage. <laughs> he threw 23 touchdowns, 18 interceptions, and had a rating of 76.5. And Sam had like a 77. Mike, is that how far you is that how far you think? Um, you think they fall that far? Now I know when Brissett played, he did not play that well. 
I'm not, I'm not saying Brissett was yeah. complete garbage. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't... Guys, he wasn't Nathan Peterman. He's not Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> you know, when he's out there in the field at all. Not even remotely. Kaiser. But he's he's a he's a guy... There's a lot of guys like this in the NFL. Yep. I think he's Flacco. I don't... I, I don't I mean, okay, you can give him that. But I also... It's, he's like somebody... We've seen a ton of these guys in the NFL. Game yep. manager type quarterback. Andrew Dalton. That's basically what Brissett is. Where I don't know if Mike's that far off. Um, Wow. And then the year he played in 2017 with the Indy guys, now he played the whole season. Okay. 13 TDs. Durable. Seven interceptions. I mean, that's not a lot of... That's 13 TDs over... 13 TDs. Mahomes does that in the game. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. That's interesting. And it just... Mike, you made a very, very... Uh, that was very eloquent and a very good point you made about our society and football and kind of where it should rank, I guess, to, to individuals. Fans, obviously, we love it so much, but these guys put their bodies on the line every single yeah. game, every single time they go out there. Uh, and that's something sometimes we take for granted. And if you're a quarterback that's gone through as much as him already in your career, maybe he's not concerned with Hall of Fame and things like that. He's more concerned with his quality of life. And Mike, like you said, there's bigger things in life than yep. football. You know, strip it all away, strip away all the money and things like that. And in his life, he might be saying to himself, because he's a pretty sharp guy. Oh, he's yeah. like, all I've done in my life is play football. Maybe he wants to do other things. Who knows, guys? But, you get into you know, it's areas. hard to judge people when they do things like that, but it is absolutely shocking. Yeah. And shocking. puts the Colts into a different, like I said, kind of a different bracket to me, a different uh, different level of the NFL than they were. And I think also helps the Jets, because we're a team that when we're looking at the schedule, like me and Mike said, uh, when we did kind of a season preview, depending on how the season goes, they could win seven, eight games, nine games, ten right. games. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be, in, you know, they're not going to be six and ten. They're going to be better than that. But I think anywhere in that range could be the Jets, depending on how they're coached, depending, looking at our schedule. And if you could float around and you're looking at that number six wild card, the Colts are a team that if they didn't win their division would have been a team that would have nine or ten wins this year, you'd think, with right. Andrew Luck. So that got, that helps the Jets. That's what I know. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, so much, it definitely gives us some help. What were your thoughts? Uh, I know, Keith, you were on site for the Saints game. So what did you think? Not an exciting game, remotely. I mean, uh, Sam did play a little bit there, and Sam looked good, you know, again. So, Sam was 8 for 13, Sam had a touchdown. I know that Robbie Anderson had something with his calf during the game, and they haven't really um, gone into detail about that during the week, what his injury is. At least Gase has been a little bit elusive, what the story is. But Robbie looked pretty good, he had two catches for 60 yards. So, I mean, and and that's what Robbie does, right? Yeah. Robbie's not a guy, Mike, he's not a 110-catch guy. He might have 70 catches, though, say, yeah. and but have 1,200 yards, you know, cause it, at, at his top, top Burner, ceiling, yeah. you know, because he's so fast, such a good player. But he looked good with Sam. That that chemistry there looked good. First-team offense, again, looked pretty good. Defense didn't look that good at all going up against the Saints, though. I mean, Saints went right down the field, Mike. They were yeah, able to move the ball pretty easy. We made a move this week at cornerback to help right. us out a little bit, at least, give us some more depth at cornerback. But uh, takeaways from the game, Mike, it's, you know, our first team up against their first team. You know, it was pretty tight, and we didn't really... Our, our first team matched up with the Saints' first team pretty good. Um, their offense was able to put up yards and move the ball, but Sam was able to also get a touchdown before the half was over. So, you know, I thought Sam looked good. Montgomery really didn't do much. Cannon, in the second half, had some good runs. But besides that, they did nothing. I mean, the Jets, the rest of the whole game, yeah. they couldn't do anything. Our second team offense, when we put our backups in against their backups... Really couldn't do much, Mike, as the game went on, which just kind of lends itself to a point you and I have made as uh, the preseason's gone on, is that the New York Jets have good starting offense and they have a good starting defense. The thing is, they don't have depth. 
They're one of these teams that, yeah. on the surface, if everything goes right, look, they don't have any injuries. Yeah. They could, well, they could be they good. Be, they they'll could be, be okay, be right? Good. At least you they know they'll good. compete every week. Right. But if the Jets start getting, in, and every team does, we know this year somebody on the Jets is getting hurt who's a okay. starter. It happens every year to every team. So if the Jets go into this year, someone gets banged up. We don't have a lot of depth at many positions. Right. So that's kind of our that's kind of our Achilles heel, and it showed up in this game. But when our ones were in, Mike, they looked pretty good. And I thought Sam looked pretty good as well. Yeah, it really wasn't the greatest game. Thought that um, being able to finish on a high note and with the touchdown pass that he got to Montgomery in the end zone, I thought that touch pass was very good. And actually, the deep throw that he got to Robbie really wasn't the greatest throw. It was a little underthrown, but Robbie was able to adjust to yep. it. And I thought that was great. But I have a couple of guys that I thought really stood out in this game. One of them was our kicker, Taylor Burlett. Now, we've said that his name sounds like ladies' evening wear. Yes. We said that he doesn't really look like a normal football human being. That, you know, who is this person? But he did really, really good. Uh, he kicked a 48-yard field goal and a 56-yard field goal. The 56! That was... I'm sitting there that's, like, that's all right, huge. what is this about? In my head, Mike, I'm like, does Taylor Bertolette have a 56er? Does he have a 56er in that little leg of his? In that little Bertolette leg? And uh, guess what? Any rock. And Burgess again came through in this game too, man. Seven tackles for Burgess. We were talking about him last week, Mike. Flashing. So that's pretty good in a preseason game if you're only really playing a half. You know, he only basically played a half of football, and the dude he had he played if he played five drives, the guy had seven tackles. He would have fifteen tackles in the game. That's pretty good. He's and he's fourteen. One place, uh, I guess, one place, Mike, that we actually do have some depth, even with the injury to Mosley. At least, at least the Jet fans we know, we actually do have some talent at linebacker. We should be okay there, and you know, we're gonna see what happens with the cuts. We're gonna see who makes the squadron, but uh, Burgess played pretty good. Yeah, another guy I thought solidified his position on the team was Trent Cannon. Yeah, he decided to have a day all of a sudden. Yeah, he did. He had six carries for 52 yards, including a 25-yard run. And as a receiver, Ken had three catches for 28 yards. I mean, I think he's surpassed Elijah, and I think that he's dipping into heels of Blau Pal. So I thought he had a tremendous game uh, and really was able to solidify himself on this team as our pro retire. And honestly, honestly, on the flip side, I thought Blau Pal really had a dud of a game. I mean, he had only a carry I know, I mean, there could be, there's a few guys that Come might be surprise down. additions to Los Huevos. I mean, I mean, Copeland may go, Powell may go, names that we all know may go down there. Well, one guy I want to throw out too, Mike, uh, three punts for Greg Dorch, 9.3 return average, that's not that bad. If you get around a first down per return, that's kind of what you're looking for there. And on kick returns, we had Valentine Holmes grab one, 21 yards, and then we said Valentine Holmes only shot at making it, Mike, probably if he makes a squad, be probably practice team, just because we have that flexibility with him. As you've mentioned to people, uh, with, you know, because he's, he's an international player, right. you get that extra practice squad spot. So maybe they just pop him on there, pay him the NFL minimum. Actually, no, they don't. Even, what do they make? What do they make on the, on the practice squad, Mike? It's not even the NFL minimum, is it? NFL practice squad salary. 
I think it's like 150,000. Hold on. 129,000 over the 16 games. Yeah, it's $7,600 a week. Well, now, if you if you actually do get called up to the NFL for a game, you automatically make the NFL minimum. But if you stay in the practice squad, you make about $130,000 a year, which I know sounds crazy. If you're into playing sports, it's not bad to get paid one hundred thirty grand a year to play sports. It's true. Also, say for if you're good enough to even make the practice squad, that's awesome. That's a great point. And say you're Valentine Holmes, you come over to America. Now, he was over, don't get me wrong, he was over in Australia making right. some decent money. Right. He's, he's a top player over there. But you come to America, say he gets popped in the practice squad and makes a buck thirty this year, learns how to play football. Yep. You're basically getting paid $130,000 to get trained to be a machine the next season. <laughs> yeah. That's how I'm looking at You're it. You're for the next contract. Train him up. Sharpen this Aussie up. Just unleash him on human beings on yeah. special teams next year. Or if you have to throw him in this year, I mean, at least get him ready to go on special teams. Right. But yeah, of course. Yeah, that, I mean, that, Mike, when it comes to the game last week, that was just a snooze fest, though. I mean, I was at the game, and the crowd did a great job in the first half. We had some jet chants going. People were getting excited on defense. But it's kind of hard to keep the momentum yeah. going, especially in the preseason when the offense in the second half is doing nothing. Right. I know most people in the crowd don't know who the guys are, and they're not overly interested, but... I mean, that was not a great game last week, but I did think I was happy. One thing, one takeaway from the game, at least, is in the first half, the Jets' uh, number ones versus the Saints' number ones, and the Saints are a team that could win the Super Bowl this year. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're one of the odds-on favorites. Of course. Actually, I have to win the Super Bowl right now. And we all know that if, you know, NFL ref, I mean, I still don't know how they didn't make that call in the NFC Championship game. The Saints should have been in the Super Bowl. We all know this. The Saints would have had a tremendous chance to beat the Patriots with the way their team is formatted That's and with Sean Payton in his offense. That's so terrible. unfortunate for Jet fans that didn't happen. But it just—I'm happy at least you come away from that game saying, "Well, the Jets won." Right. They were able to get yards on us in the first half and move the ball, but one touchdown. And then we stopped them after that, and you know we were actually able to get a touchdown before the end of the half. So I, I didn't—I didn't need the first team offense and defense played that bad, Mike. Especially against the opponent they have. I mean, there's really more, not much more you can ask for than to hang in there because you never know what would happen in the second half if, if both first teams were still right. in there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Sam Darnold showed, uh, the offense showed an ability to execute on that defense. I just wish that our defense looked a little better at getting to the quarterback. Um, I think, on a side note, that Ja'Kai Polite, again, was disappointing, and I've been reading articles. About Is he going to get cut, Mike? Surprise, surprise cuts. He might get cut. If he has an is he going, sport. Mike? Is he going Wavos? They got, they got cover because honestly, they didn't really draft him. McCagnan did. I wouldn't cut him though. I would definitely keep him, and I would use him where he's needed. So if you're trying to hold on to him because you want him to do all the type of different attributes that you want a defender to do, it's like be able to play zone coverage, be able to drop back against the pass, be able to fill the holes. If he is good at getting that bend radius that we talked about, if that's what he's really good at, at attacking from the corner, then just use him in that way and have him learn. Use him where he'll bring value. And I wouldn't just cut a guy like that, but he really has been just, just it's just sad, man. It's, it's just been very heavy. Well, again, Cashman, Adoga, a bunch of the other rookies are looking great, so that's a that's an A-plus, but you know, and Ja'Kai Polite, I was just hoping to see a little bit more about him. And the corners, honestly, is the other major disappointment. Now, to address the, the mountain has made a move, uh, trading our sixth-round pick in 2020 for Nate Harrison, who can play inside and outside. He struggled a little bit last season with the Colts allowing 122.9 passer rating when he was the nearest defender in coverage per the next-gen stats. But he is a, mostly a slot guy. Um, he's not the greatest in zone. He's good. He's more he's right. better against man. But what he is, 
Yeah. Even though, you know, we have a very unheralded cornerback uh, cornerback grouping, as we know, and it's our weakness, the Mountain's out there trying to do work. He's out there trying to make little additions to do as good as you can, and that's what even, and this is one of the things really good teams do, whether it's the Patriots or the Steelers or the Saints or the teams that every year you're like, damn, this team is always good every year. Yeah. Even, if, even if the improvement they're making out of position is incremental, even if the improvement's not that much, where another team be like, ah, the guy we have is, is almost as good as this guy we right. can add. Right. The good teams will get that little improvement. That's what the good teams do. And if you do that enough times, over time, you continue improving. So yeah. even though this guy is not, you know, even though uh, Harrison's not somebody who's obviously a lockdown corner or someone that's a very heralded corner, he was a fifth-round pick for the Colts, did start some games last year. He has some versatility, six feet tall at least. He's got some size on him. So he's someone for the Jets at least. Yeah. You plug into our rotation of cornerbacks. Um, they made some additions. I know yeah, they grabbed Cooper. That's a guy they threw in there. Now we have Harrison. We got Tremaine Johnson. It is a worry, especially with the way the NFL is now, especially when you play in a division that has Tom Brady in it. Yeah. Not that the, the whole, you know, be-all, end-all is Tom can't Brady. Touch but anybody. You know, I don't think the New England Patriots are that concerned with the Jets' cornerback situation. Now, you can put pressure on them and try to maybe get around that some way. Yep. When we play Miami, when we play uh, Buffalo, not, not as much of a concern, especially if Rosen gets in there. But... I'm a little worried about it, Mike, but I am happy at least the mountain's out there being active, making moves, turning over every little rock, every little crevice. <laughs> the mountain's out there running through Westeros, Mike, looking for a corner, and I guess he at least did a little something to help us get a little bit better. One of the things that I got a little bit excited about, and I don't know if I should get excited, but it definitely caught my attention. Rich Sabini, ESPN staff writer, put out an article today that Adam Case intends to use Sam Darnold in the same way that Peyton Manning was used when he threw 55 touchdowns against the Denver Broncos. I'm not oh. sure if you got to read that article. Alright, well, I hope. Good, no, good now, it's a, it's a great idea to do that. Use him that way, please, yep. Gates. Yep. However, if he's able to throw that many touchdowns, that, that remains to be seen. Yeah. Because they had, a, they had a formidable receiving core. Yeah, they had a formidable it's a good Thomas, like that, Decker. But, but it's essentially what it's saying is that he he could do the same thing. To, to, to play within scheme and philosophy. And he's excited because he hasn't worked with a quarterback since Peyton that can execute it that way. So one of the things that we saw during the Saints game that I thought was very interesting, and I think is a foreshadowing of what to come, is that they kept using Ty Montgomery all the time. Throwing to him. Running to him. Throwing to him. This is Adam Gase. Putting his prototype 
Yeah. I'm also I'm also excited to see and everything you just said is spot on. I think the way that they impl- they deployed Ty Montgomery is how you're going to see Le'Veon Bell use, except, of course, Le'Veon Bell is a million times better than Ty right. Montgomery. And Ty Montgomery, obviously, is very talented as well. Yep. Very versatile. And I think when they employ two running backs back there, I mean, teams probably know you're going to pass when you do that. Right. But... Because you know, Tom Montgomery's probably not going to really be blocking for Lev Bell, but they'll yep. probably run every once in a while out of the formation too. But say you do have the two of them back there, and say their team does blitz, and you got to get rid of the ball quick. That's two really good options to get rid of the ball near yep. the line of scrimmage that can go make plays, especially Lev, who's who's a master of it. But that is probably what Gates is going to do. And you saw in that second game, really a, a lot of really creative offense uh, for the Jets in the preseason versus the Saints. They were able to move the ball at the end, and they were able to get a touchdown. So even there, versus a really good team with a pretty decent defense. Yep. Jets were able to do really well. So, you know, I, I am excited about that, and I'm excited about, at least on paper, Mike, it just seems like it's been a really long time since we've looked at the Jets and felt like they had this many threats on offense against a team. And instead of thinking to ourselves, oh, well, we have, you know, Robbie Anderson's not bad, and Anun was not bad, but our running backs, you know, we have we had Crowell, we had, right. we had guys that were okay. But, you know, Le'Veon Bell, this is a whole different level, you know. And Ty Montgomery is very versatile. Almost, he's not Le'Veon Bell level, but he brings a different dynamic to teams that a lot of running backs and a lot of different players don't have because he was a wide receiver when he got right. drafted. And, you know, and Herndon is Herndon's a player that's kind of an ascending tight end. Jameson Crowder's a player we did not have last year. We did not have a sure-handed, really super fast slot guy like him. One of the better slot receivers in the league. Oh, absolutely. So going into this year, you just you know, kind of coming off the preseason, Mike, and giving us like kind of our full synopsis of the preseason, all of those things, you saw her, and this is the thing, this is what I'll take away, is when the Jets Voltron it up, when we go full Voltron mode, right. all the pieces combined when Herndon's back, if we stay healthy, you saw Herndon flash in the preseason and look really good. You saw Jameson Crowder flash and look really yep. good. You saw Robbie Anderson last game, 60 yards, two catches, look really good. You saw Sam Bernal look tremendous every single drive he yep. had. You saw Tom Montgomery look great. Bell didn't play, but Le'Veon's Bell been, has been Le'Veon Bell. When we get Khalil into the mix, I have to think the offensive line is going to be better than it's ever been yep. in the past two years. So Absolutely. The offense, I'm stoked about. Defense, cornerbacks, obviously that's our major area of concern, but if we could really dominate the other areas of the ball and really if we can manage to, like, you know, it's pretty much a no-brainer, but if that defensive line we have can dominate the line of scrimmage, it's going to make it a lot easier for the cornerbacks right. as well. So, I mean, look. That would be pretty good. He's he's something else. He really is. That would be huge.
he's not exactly he's not he's not he's not JJ Watt. Right. You know, that's he J that's why JJ Watt's on that team still and they're they're thinking about trading Clowney, you know. Um it, it, there's he's not Von Miller. No. You know, he's not yeah. one of these guys that you're like, dude, even if even in a game he doesn't get a sack. He's still dominating the game because yeah. he gets almost gets to the quarterback ten times, and every one of those plays is effective. Oh. That being said, for the Jets would be a monstrous, a, a monstrous upgrade when it comes to edge rusher. Obviously, for our team, who hasn't had an edge rusher in God knows how long. So for us, you got you got to look at it in the proper context. You know, tighter scheme of things in the in the in the NFL. He's he's a good defensive end. He's right. really good. But like Mike said, he's maybe not in the top five. Yep. But he's maybe in the top ten or fifteen. For the Jets, that'd be huge. Yes. So even though he's not generational, like you said, Mike, if the price is right, you get the you get it done. Absolutely, if the price is right, but let's not try to sacrifice any of our draft capital in the future. I mean, and then remember, next year we're gonna have to be paying a lot of our Yeah, guys, and we got the fourth preseason game coming up after that game next week. We'll talk about the cuts because we'll know by then what the story is with the roster. NFL season's right around the corner, guys. We're only eight days away now from the first game next Thursday, which will be tremendous. That'll be a lot of fun. And next week on the AABG podcast will be AABG podcast number 50! Number 5-0. Number 5-0, everyone. Mm -hmm. 50 pods in the books, little by little. Gaining more listeners, followers, social media, you know, support, the whole nine. I want to thank everybody who listens to us, man. We really do appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank you for riding with us in the offseason, during the season. Anytime we're bringing it to you, you're always with us because Jet fans are complete psychos, Wookie. Hey. Don't, look, don't look like me through the glass because you know yeah. what's riding back of me. Hey. You know what's riding back of me, Wookie? Yep. A big old Jet flag, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. That's, that's real. I can't t- lie about that. That's real talk, people, too. Michael, it's been tremendous doing 49 podcasts with you, and next week we hit number 50, and on our way on to number 100. <laughs> the man on behalf of Michael Lagaris and the man behind the glass, the big stinking Wookiee Nicholas Kronk. My name is Keith Farrell. Thank you for listening to us, everyone. Peace out. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leaver.